Welcome to Sports Talk. It's the Thursday edition. I'm your host, Scott Patey, along with Lauren Tate here for hour number one. Hour number two, we'll swap it out. Joey Wright will be with us. And uh, coming up, Scott Ritchie from the News Gazette covers the Illini and a little bit more. He will check in with us. Some summer basketball things to get to and beyond on a very, very, once again, Lauren, try to keep up with all, <laughs> that's, easy. With all that's coming at you right now here. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing after another. For example, here's a major headline that we, we have today. Okay. We already knew that Illinois basketball was going to play UCLA in the opening game of the Roman main event in in Las Vegas. Now, wait a minute. You're going to tell me the game's going to start at 8.30 our time. What about the game before it? What if it runs into triple overtime? Well, that's... See, there's a lot of layers to this, and I think we need to spend the next hour examining that because Illinois will play uh, UCLA at 8.30 p.m. That's 6.30 Pacific time for those of you who will be in Vegas on Friday night, November 18th. And Good then, time to go, except what's going on with the football team? They are playing, playing in, some weak team from Michigan, aren't they? In Michigan, too, in the big house. Oops. When was the last time Illinois was up there? I believe Jeff George Jr., was made an appearance in that game, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and then he transferred there. <laughs> he liked it so well, he left That's Illinois to, to sit on the bench for them one year. Yep. So, uh, really, that's the breaking news of the day <laughs> in terms <laughs> well, of now, local wait a sports. Did you, did you hear about Jim Phillips? He stepped on the third rail. You know what the third rail is, don't you? You can get electrocuted doing that. Well, yes, I understand the reference, and it okay. usually means to things in politics. He talked about ways to distribute money in the ACC to keep everybody happy and use the word, do I dare say it, uneven Ooh. distributions. Ooh. That's the third rail. Because that's the one way <laughs> that you. Here's the Didn't problem. Didn't talk about we talk, Yeah, I mentioned this yesterday. Yeah, you well, said it can never happen. It can never happen. And you know, uh, we had uh, we've had guests on our Saturday morning show bring it up, and I've said, you know, it never happened in Ohio State and Michigan when they had a chance to discuss it previously at a meeting. I'm told by a person that was at the meeting that that was pretty much shot down. But um, here's the problem. Within two years of right now, Clemson will be making something over $30 million and Vanderbilt will be making $90 million as a member of the SEC. That's three times as much as a far better draw, shall we say, and a far better football program. Wait, Vanderbilt, you say? Vanderbilt of the SEC. Yeah, will make 90 I get you. Be, oh, right, right. And They'll be making ninety, and Clemson will be making whatever the ACC. I mean, they've 30-ish, got thirty to forty. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you keep Clemson quiet? And of course, Clemson's locked into that. We've talked and talked about that contract. They're tied into to two thousand thirty six. But you know, it's it's getting out of hand. I mean, the the, the difference between the haves and have nots is just getting extreme. 
when you talk about unequal shares, Phillips is open to it? I, well, he said that everything is on the, on the you know, uh, is available to it. I mean, we have to discuss all aspects. But How of, do you keep everybody in the ACC happy? Part of his comments yesterday, though, pointed to what he says is this is not professional sports. Mm-hmm. However, he's in, made a lot of great statements in the last two days. He is. I, they're hard to execute mm-hmm. <laughs> in this day and age. Well, look. It would be far better if if every if we kept geographical connections with our programs and had uh, contests against schools of, of like you know with with like backgrounds and but when when you start taking two teams out of Los Angeles and putting them in the Big Ten that changes uh, everything and it just ruins the Pac-12 just ruins what's left of the Pac-12 which is now the Pac- will be the Pac-10 unless they add somebody else and uh, it's just, i think it's just a shame i mean i the same things happening in the Big 12 when the Big when the Big 12 loses the two leading money attractions the two the two teams that draw tv eyes just think how, how they're going to drop off the, Iowa State's going to get 40.8 million this coming year in distributions. Two years from now, they'll be getting less than 40. Far, far less than 40. I would I would like to understand his comments in the context of not wanting to be a professional league. But if you're an NFL team, everybody gets an equal slice of that pie, right, in a way. Mm-hmm. Now, Revenues vary differently amongst professional teams because of tickets and merchandise and whatever else. But the wonderful thing about the NFL is they have a draft. You just can't go out and, like Ohio State does, and pick the exact 15 or 20 guys you want every year and then go to war with those guys with with such a tremendous advantage. Nobody has an advantage in the NFL. The advantages aren't there. There, there are different winners every year, different divisional winners, different different winners. Yeah. I mean, the Cowboys are a big talk, but how often have they won lately? The NFL would love it if going into the last week of the season, everybody was eight and eight. Well, yeah. And at times, they've been able to get close to that. Yeah, that's right. But the but the the colleges are coming apart at the seams because they can't recruit. They can't control recruiting and they can't control the dollars the two most essential things that 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 you just you need a balance on those two things and you can't get it and And the the more the more great players that ohio state attracts the more money they take in and so far take in for the big 10 how long are they you know how long is that going to go and ironically college sports is to be is supposed to be more regulated and equal and and what have you but people have suggested it before why not uh every football player that wants to gets put into some sort of draft for the big 10 conference well it can't work that way because you're going to a school you can't just say i want to go play big 10 football and rutgers is going to get pick number one this year and illinois will get the second pick to start equaling things out because how can you tell somebody yeah you have to go to a certain school it won't work you can do it in the nfl 
You can do it in Major League Baseball. We talked today, and I'll try and bring you some audio here before we're all said and done. We talked to Cole Kershipper this afternoon uh, uh, as he was drafted by the Miami Marlins. And I joked, I didn't joke with him, you know. You know, do you really want to be drafted by the Marlins? I mean, any player in the well, wants to play professional baseball, you'll take any draft. Well, you'd rather be drafted by a poor team because you get up sooner. Well, that's true. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. Or a team that. with poor if, pitching. If you're drafted by the Yankees and or you're drafted by the Dodgers, your chances of, of moving up are really slim. You have you need a trade. Well, it's more about who's in front of you in your well, position. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. But as a pitcher. Uh, and they uh, always need pitching. Uh, Everybody uh, needs pitching. Yeah, that's true. And if you're a good one, you'll get. You got there. a lot better chance of pitching for, let's say, the Cardinals right now than you would the Dodgers. But I'm they just got saying, more better you, pitchers. If you're saying, I hope I get drafted, and I hope I get drafted by a winning organization, well, Miami's not first on my list. No, but I, I don't think it matters in baseball. To no. me, it wouldn't matter. It would matter in football. It matters in basketball. Uh, what's I, his name said? I don't want to go to Sacramento. That's exactly. I, I think it would matter in basketball, but I think in, in baseball, you, you know, for when you start out, first of all, if you're a first round draft pick in, in in basketball, you know you're going to that team, and you know you got a three year contract, okay? But if you're drafted in baseball in the first round, you've got to make it up through the minors. You're yep. not going to go straight to the may. Nobody goes straight to the majors. For every Al K line, there's a whole hundreds and thousands that don't that have to fight their way up. And so, I I just I I, I think that though that probably as, as good a pitcher as he is, he's he's going to have to start at the very bottom, and probably, probably you know, it's, odds are very strong against him making the major leagues. Oh sure, statistically at least. Statistically, very strong against. But. Uh Unequal shares within a conference media deal. On one hand, the argument is, I mean, you could, if you're Ohio State, wouldn't you want to say? They're trying to keep Clemson in the ACC. Yeah. And they're, they're trying, and, and I, think, I think that Clemson is, is stuck with that contract, but they're liable to start getting a little jumpy when they see Vanderbilt in the SEC losing most of their games, getting three times as much money. And that's just one example. And in, in, in the Big Ten, you've got Ohio State and you've got Illinois. Ohio State's number one. Illinois is near the bottom. That's where we are. I bet Based the SEC on the would, last five, ten years. I bet the SEC would trade Vanderbilt to the ACC for Clemson. Straight up. Straight up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no strings attached. Well, there are Great people that, school. There are people that say Vanderbilt doesn't belong in the SEC. I mean, you want to argue that point? I mean, I, I, other they than, don't belong. Other than baseball, I don't know where they have success. I, I don't follow their other sports, but obviously not in, in men's basketball or football. Well, those are the two, two, two sports that, that draw money. Exactly. Well, for them, baseball draws money, but well, that's another okay, story. Okay, but you're talking— SEC baseball makes money. Mm-hmm. But not enough. They can't run all the other sports on baseball, whereas they're running all the other other the other sports other than baseball and basketball off football. If you want to weigh in, the text line is open two one seven three five one five three five seven. Courtesy of our friends at Castle Heating and Cooling. Um, Gavin Newsom, according to a texter, uh, that's the governor of California. Absolutely. You alluded to this yesterday. I mm-hmm. can't remember who was on the air or when we were just talking. Is demanding answers 
from UCLA as a member of the Board of Regents. Remember, UCLA is a public university, part of the University part, of California system. Part of the University of California. That's right. And they are leaving Berkeley, you know, strapped. It would be like if University of Illinois Chicago, UIC, mm-hmm. was a part of the Big Ten mm-hmm. and either Illinois or UIC decided to leave the Big Ten. That's right. That's right. And he's got a, he's got at least a semi point. I don't think he can get anywhere with it because they're saying it's a campus decision on sports. A campus decision at UCLA yeah. w- uh, for them to leave whereas uh you know they are part of a nine school Cal sure. system. Irvine, and, San Diego, yeah, Riverside, all of them Santa and, Barbara and, and they're all stuck together and and here they're leaving, and, and, and they're leaving Cal in the wake. There's no question about that. They're leaving Cal in, in deep trouble, mm-hmm. deep, deep, deep. I mean, over $400 million in debt and losing every year and only drawing, well, they'll, they'll be drawing. Without, without, Cal, without uh, UCLA and, U, and USC, those pack, remaining Pac-10 teams in a couple of years, we'll be drawing far less than $30 million. Sports Talk is off and running. Scott Ritchie is going to join us for the next segment. Next hour, we also have some White Sox tickets to give away. They are at home on Saturday night. We've got a four-pack, actually, for you and some parking, so stay tuned for that. If you want to make a trip up to the Windy City for the weekend or if you uh, already are up there and listening we'll give you a chance to do that as well and joey wright will be with me for the next hour this is sports talk scott ritchie is coming up we are talking sports on Newstock 1400, 93.9 FM, DWS. We talk into microphones. you got to swing that thing around there, Scott Ritchie. I'm Scott Beatty along with Lauren Tate. Sorry it wasn't adjusted perfectly there for you. Well, I mean, I have a certain level of expectation when I come to the <laughs> yeah, studio. No, and here I am, you know. I have to swing the mic arm around? <laughs> just messing with everything. <laughs> Good to see you. Let's see. Matt's on vacation this week. You're obviously not. You were on vacation last week. So I feel like we haven't talked in a while. It's it's been some time. I think the last time I was in here, you were gone, and yeah. Evan was running the show. But summer is when we can get away, and we do. Last segment, we did a deep dive on the tip-off time of the Illinois uh, UCLA game in in Las Vegas. By the way, my favorite thing is when everybody knows an upcoming game or you know non-conference game, but then. They still have to put out the official announcement, but we all knew. It's kind of like when they put out the announcement of so-and-so committed, but we all knew that days before or weeks before, whatever the case was. It's fun. Yeah, well, there was In this some, case, it's official. There was some new time. information. Yeah, yeah, the tip time was new. And you know what channel the game will be on if you can't make it out to Las Vegas? That'd be News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM. Your home for Illinois basketball. That and the television. Oh, is it on television too? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I've heard that that's also an option. Because it's this radio money that's driving all this realignment discussion. Well, what you can do is you can mute the TV and then have Brian and uh, Dion, perhaps, 
you know, overlap that. And you got to sync it up, and it you gets a little tricky. It. Yep. It's hard to sync. I, I became an expert at that. Did you? Um, with some, you know, syncing up some Illinois volleyball and some Dave Lone back in the day. In your mind, are you in Vegas or are you at Ann Arbor for Illinois football against Michigan, or is it wait and see who's doing what? Well, it's not even a question. I'll be in Las Vegas covering Illinois basketball. You got two well, games Well, okay, I'm sorry. I I knew you'd be in Vegas, but I meant covering Illinois basketball <laughs> or just in Vegas, you know. Well, I mean, there are going to be some off days in there where I won't be necessarily covering you know, a lot of Illinois basketball. If I'm uh, fortunate enough to be out there as well, I've never been, so. Uh, it's, you know, uh, it's a good time. Yeah. Maybe tell me how to get into the vaults at the uh, Bellagio. Would you bring back some of my money when you get there, <laughs> when you come back? I'll say I've got some of my own that's probably still out there <laughs> from my last trip. Yeah. Kirby Smart's well, listen, money. I, uh, let's quit kidding here. Tell us what's going on on the practice court. Who's looking good? Well, everybody's looking good in the oh, summer, okay. Warren. That's, that's, and you know that, that never changes year to year. It looks great until it doesn't when the season actually starts. But um, – I mean, the, the coaching staff is has been, and I think remained like super high on Dane Danger. Um, just you know, his, and he's a unique piece, I think, and that's you could say that about a lot of the guys on the team. There, there's some versatility there, but uh, you know, yeah, we thought of you know Kofi Coburn's leaving. There's not going to be this you know you know work the ball inside to a big all the time, but you might, and it could be a lot more of Dane Danger in the high post, utilizing him as a passer seems like just from what i understand he's you know, a good passer maybe more willing passer than kofi you know ever really was at well, the center position and the point guard position are the two question marks in my mind yeah i mean otherwise you got a bunch of i think you yeah, know guards and wings. wings that you can you know, put in there but uh there there's still two key spots you know who's going to run the offense and then is it going to sometimes run through the big in the middle and i think it will with dane and the whole front court rotation will be interesting to see how they you use him, Colvin Hawkins, Matthew Meyer, um, but the point guard is the biggest question. We know that Underwood likes to substitute, so no matter who starts, it, when at the four-minute timeout, just look down on the bench and see who's coming in. There'll be three guys popping up That's real right. quick. Uh, yeah, so I'm just—I guess I'm curious, like how deep the rotation goes, because over the last couple of years, the real rotation, like in games, if they're tight and they mattered, it, it, the rotation tightened up. I don't. I mean, they have 10 guys I think that can play. I don't know if you should play 10 all the time, but uh, that's what I'm curious about. But, you know, point guard, they have one real point guard on the roster, and he's still coming back from an ACL injury a year ago, essentially at this time, plus a hand injury in January. Well, Fletcher's worked miracles before. Can he Can he do it again? I'd say yes. I mean, I'd, I'd bet on Fletch. He's got every tool in the in the well, we book. We do have several more more months for for him to, to for Sky to get in top shape, but I guess he's not quite there yet. There's just so many people that have gone through knee injuries and were never quite the same. And I don't know what the same is for Sky Clark, having not seen him in person. But well, the same for Sky Clark was a top ten prospect in this class. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I knew that. I mean, I know the accolades are there, but well, and you earn those by. A lot of times, just being a better athlete than other guys at your same position, and like being healthy, I think that's it's a boost in confidence. I think when you don't have to worry, it was like okay, if I cut, 
is this knee going to do the same things that he used to? Well, like official practices for the season don't start until October or the end of September. So there's some time to get Sky. And I don't like they're not pushing it right now. He's you know not being you know asked to do everything in Ju- June, July. But eventually he, he he's gonna have to. And if he can't, I think that puts Illinois in a a less formidable spot. I mean, it it drops the the floor and the ceiling. Well, they say it's a positionless team, but I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, there's even talk of starting uh, Coleman Hawkins at center. Sure, you know, and and I would imagine he, I wouldn't be surprised if he and Dane Danger don't split that position. But Coleman will also be playing the wing. I'm, I mean, he'll be playing the four too. I'm yeah. sure. And we've seen in the NBA where you don't have to have a point guard as long as you have a playmaker at the wing. I mean, it looks like the Boston Celtics. You know, Jason Tatum had the ball in his hands 95% of the time. Um, I don't know. The college game's not there yet. I think a point guard still matters. And I don't know where am I. Because they can turn, they can go to Ty Rogers for some time, I think, running the offense. Mm-hmm. I think Coleman could do it occasionally because he's – you know, shown he can, you know, attack the basket a little bit. He can pass some, but to have a, they've had a guy that they could rely on to run the offense, just kind of, and that being their role. Well, positionless has a nice ring to it. We'll just see uh, pulling it off is a little trickier. <laughs> just see if it works. Does this seem like a boom or bust time for Coleman Hawkins? I don't know if he's been overhyped. Maybe in some people's minds, he's certainly been overhyped. Based on what he on his performance last season, I mean, he wound up. It just seems like he, not he's playing. the next guy where we may go. Well, he really brought it together, or boy, that guy, what he could have been, but it didn't work. Yeah, and I think year three is when that question has to be asked for every player. Like, I'm trying maybe to think of the, the latest boomer bust guys. Who were those those guys? Mm, was it? Who was uh, I don't who, who went off at Madison Square Garden against Maryland? Tevian Jones. Tevian Jones wasn't he, he kind of that guy? Like, well, when's he going to kind of just? Well, the question for Tevian here was when was he ever going to get on the court without you know shooting himself in the foot? And because yeah. his absences were on him, yeah. and then he transferred to Southern Utah and has been you know, pretty good for the Thunderbirds. Um, I think after Georgie's freshman year, he had some boom potential and I don't think he was never a bust but he just I don't know that he you know it all changed with Kofi yeah well and Georgie I mean, Georgie was just the weapon they had yeah and then when he was unsolvable to other teams i.e. Rutgers it worked I don't know if I had a true boom or bust guy and like Tevian Jones could have been that but he just I wanted was never to say, on the court enough I wanted to say Alan Griffin but he just tr- he, he transferred before he could boom. He was almost there. He was almost there at Syracuse, too. And then the next thing you know, he got benched and left there. I mean, I'm talking about that guy where there's a lot of expectations and hopes, and then it just and it turned into what it was. Not I, I, I wouldn't uh, count about, like uh, uh, not, not uh, I or Kofi because they came Alex in. Legion. We'll go way back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go way back. Uh, I mean. But Jer- Jeremy Richmond, like he yeah. had an okay freshman year and would have been better well, served to come back. A, that was a whole different problem. That was a mental concern. Sure, he just he just uh, he just kind of exploded. Yeah, I, I just don't know that it's too bad because yeah, he really had talent. 
I don't know if Illinois had that type of guy that much. I mean, because lots of expectations on Iowa and Kofi, and they came through. And I don't know that before that there were guys that – I mean, Andre Curbelo, but that wasn't – yeah, I, yeah, if he and, does, and, if he's not concussed to start last year, I think he has an entirely different season. Yeah, fair. Because he just never. He kind of falls in that category. I'm talking about now that I think about it. Yeah, again, but it's uh, you know a situation that he had no control over, and in terms of <laughs> being concussed again, you know, at the beginning of a season, and he just never found a rhythm after that. You wrote today about Illinois basketball's defensive change, and it got me to thinking. I, I can't remember your phrase, but something along the lines of, you know, Brad Underwood basically has the ability here to design what he wants and kind of start over defensively. But would he start over, or would he revert to what we saw in year one with the heavy pass deny, and then he kind of backed that off just a little bit and then really backed it off the next two years with Kofi and drop coverage? Is this where Brad Underwood comes back to his roots of what he loved to do defensively and what he loved to do offensively with the spread and the pinch post and the handoffs and the weaves. And I know we were doing, they were doing that anyway, but. Well, I think defensively he's not going to go back all the way because you know, he, it, it worked at Stephen F. Austin. He tried it at Oklahoma state, changed stream, you know, changed streams mid year you know, to essentially play the pack line and Oklahoma state got better. He tried it at Illinois I don't know, the 15th time you get back cut in the game for a layup, I think you just have to admit that it's maybe at this level it's just not going to happen. I mean, offensively, I think you'll see a bit of a reversion. You'll see you know, guys like Dane Danger operate more in the high post. Yeah, I think you'll see Ty Rogers operate a lot in the high post just because they will you know, ex- exploit his abilities as a passer there. Um, so that will come back. Um, but defensively, it'll probably be what Illinois – most of what Illinois did last year, but when you add, as Ty Roger said, made the opportunities for them to play a little more full court defense. Why didn't it work at this level? It has to be because of the athletes. Because basketball is basketball. People can figure it out. But I remember Matt McCumber sitting in here saying, hey, when I was at Kansas State, the year that Brad Underwood was at Oklahoma State, he was notoriously hard to prepare for, Brad Underwood, and his scheme. You just couldn't, and that's one of the reasons he could have success in tournaments because that system was just hard to prepare for. And it worked at Stephen F. Austin. It worked a little bit at, at Oklahoma State. But even then, he'd already changed. But, yeah, I, at some point it feels like once you solve the system at this level, then you're really vulnerable. Yeah, and being hyper-aggressive on ball denials leaves you open to getting back cut. And there's better athletes at the Big Ten level, high major level, you know, Big 12 as well, that can – exploit those opportunities. Well, I don't think they'll be quite as good at defending the post as, as Kofi was, but they'll be a lot better on the pick and roll. They'll yeah, be a lot better in defending that, and I think they've got some really talented, particularly Shannon, and, and I think that you'll see Rodgers playing a lot defensively. I, I assume that uh, Meyer will be good defensively. That I don't know for sure. He, but He was pretty good at Baylor. Yeah, and that's, and that part of that's the system. I think Baylor just has team defense. Mm-hmm. Was good so that you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the, Baylor had terrific defense. Yeah, the what is best it? I've seen. I think rising tide raises all boats sort of well. situation there. But I think yeah, Meyer will be fine. Um, and like not being as good defending the post, that could Elher Illinois maybe against Purdue was Zach Eady maybe against Michigan with Hunter Dickinson. But I mean, who else is going to have a guy that's going to camp out 
and when the post all that much. There's just not that many centers anymore. Next week is media days for Big Ten football. Chances that we have a clear picture of the media arrangement or the future of the Big Ten when Kevin Warren finishes his podium address on Tuesday. Well, I don't want to say zero, but it'll be close to that. I mean, it's he's a not non-zero gonna, chance. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to give details about you know the t- the t- new TV deal that's coming because they haven't. I mean, it's not official yet, and I mean he'll be asked probably about further expansion, but I think he'll take a similar line that you know the SEC has. That well, they not, can only go two years in that in that uh, uh, rights thing before we we ha- they have to make a major change. Yeah, because so, two years. I mean, this coming year and one more year, and then you got UCLA and USC coming. So that'll require an entirely different approach to the to the dollars. Yes. With, uh, with I don't know how many, and I don't know how many uh, networks are going to have. Unless I mean, because they got to renegotiate something. So maybe it's you know built in. You know, in two years the the UCLA USC rider kicks in and everything jumps up in price. Um, yeah. But Kevin Horn's going to talk around both issues. It's, it's he's good it at has that. been talked that they might announce it then, but I, I it doesn't look like it, does it? It would make too much sense, you know, you got everybody in the same room, let's just do it now. <laughs> That's <laughs> too logical. They'll but. announce it Thursday. <laughs> yeah, or Wednesday at five when everyone is like I just wonder with that thing being so complicated, I just wonder how long how long it would take to finish the th- the negotiations. Yeah, because you throw those other two schools in after the next two years. I mean Yeah, because that happened rather quickly too like they, they had gone through protracted negotiations already with mm-hmm. the, and then it's like okay well, we're gonna throw this giant wrinkle in at the last minute and that's just i think it just pushes everything back and well you don't want to sign a two-year contract you want more years than that yeah and so well, that means they've got they have a, a contract for the next two years and then they have another contract for the next four years or whatever it yeah. is well it's just like you know what the angels did with albert pujols contract you just backload it so they'll do, that'll be the, the big yeah. time media rights deal. And you know, maybe it'll work out better for all parties involved. Kirby Smart got $110 million plus today for the next 10 years from Georgia. When asked for comments, Smart said, have you seen the price of gas? Anyway. I think he was probably okay before. The richest, is it the richest contract now? Um, yeah, because you know, Lincoln Riley's at USC was... I don't know if it even hit a hundred million. Like Mel Tucker got ninety-five million. Um, I think averaging out at eleven per year, that should put Kirby Smart at the top. And now I get it; just won a national title, but uh, and it's what the market, I suppose, will will bear. But it's getting ridiculous. And I, I my advice to him is try and take a little bit of that paycheck every month and just put it away <laughs> for retirement. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's another example of why college athletes were like when is it our turn it was salaries for coaches and you know administrators ballooned like i think it got to the point with you know college athletics is this multi-billion dollar business why aren't the athletes getting a piece and now that now they can michael leroy's got another article out and what she uh, and i just read it yesterday and what she Makes a point that uh, these these players are still going to. There's a chance that we'll see a time when they're employees, as opposed to you know student athletes. I mean, and he makes a, a really good point. Like if, if let's just say you're a, you're a junior in college and you got a job working uh, 
doing something for the university that they're paying you for. You know, you could, you could, or you could be working downtown, wherever. Why can't a player do that? Why can't a player work for the university? Where, where is the law that in pro- their capacity as an athlete? You mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean the that's the whole point. The what stopping? I mean, NCAA rules. NCAA, at this against point? NCAA rules. Is it against? How's the judge going to rule on that? Well, based on how judges have ruled recently, so uh, I believe that NCAA is going to come out on the losing side of that argument. And that's why I'd, NCAA, as it stands now, it has a shelf life, a short shelf life. I think it'll, it'll have to make changes at the organizational level to keep up with all of the changes that have come in college athletics that have been forced upon the NCAA. Yeah, you're going to see a situation with the teams that are bringing in Ninety million dollars in TV rights and seventy million of it's from football, and and the players are the ones that are causing it to happen. Yeah. So anyway, I'd want a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah. Yep. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, Illinois will play UCLA at eight thirty on Friday, November eighteenth. Okay. As we circle back to the beginning, I wasn't thrilled about that. And couldn't you put Illinois UCLA in the first game? <laughs> Six o'clock some, start. You got some other things you want to do on that Friday night, is what you're saying? No, I'm more concerned about my deadline, which doesn't really line up particularly well with Don't an 8 30 p.m start. i think can the, you go uh, past city, 11 o'clock i think the city doesn't sleep there uh we're gonna have to i'll have to get special dispensation how many special dispensations does uh, the news gazette get from peoria in the course of a year is it five or six something like that i think that's roughly the number i, I kind of remember most that. of them i think they end up using on well technically on me for basketball because those are the things that start much too late in the evening that'll be a well that'll be game will be watched all over the country ucla is going to be good again could be a top 10 team i mean that's a arguably one of the best multi-team events of the whole schedule i mean champions classic is good maui invitation always has a good field but you're talking two recent ncaa champions that are playing each other in Baylor and Virginia. You know, UCLA made a Final Four a couple of years ago. Illinois had a number one seed you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, it's yep. good. It's why it's why I will be in Las Vegas instead of Ann Arbor. Okay, but Illinois had a uh, actually a decent track record in the Big House, or at least a propensity for big upsets. Yeah, I just uh, I think the last time Illinois played at Michigan, Jeff George Jr. was getting his first start and he threw three interceptions. Notable exceptions. Yeah, um, I don't know that it'll be you know, as maybe bad for, let's say, Tommy DeVito um, in November in Ann Arbor, but you know, Michigan football, eh, better team yeah, than Illinois. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Probably so. I'm not sure we need to say probably. Thanks a lot, Scott. Always happy to come on. Scott Ritchie he is on Twitter at SR Ritchie, and he writes for the News Gazette, among other things. Back in a moment. Sports Talk on a Thursday. Just saw a tweet from Jim Matson over in Purio, uh, covers. Okay television just said the second place finisher in golf at the illinois state amateur uh tommy cool good line golfer and native of morton so mm-hmm. congratulations to him 
football item from Bill Connolly at ESPN. Most look, looking back at last year, most defensive snaps with eight plus men in the box in the country. Number three, Wisconsin. Iowa. Number three, Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. Actually, number five, Northwestern. Number three, Wisconsin. Number one, Illinois. Well, we had eight men in the box. I assume that's what it means on a defensive snap. It, he's talking about your. I can't believe that. Not what they we were had, facing, right? We had but, five defensive backs in there mo- much of the time. Joseph was in there along with uh, Adams, and then we had Martin, and we had uh, we had uh, Brown, Sidney Brown. And I'm leaving out somebody, but I mean, we—I can't believe that we led the nation with eight men in the box. Good for us if we did, because we didn't get hurt that bad with passing. Well, I'll have to. Uh, that means you're bringing uh, defensive backs up to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, or at least within yep. several yards. I, I, that that shocks me. Doesn't it you? Yeah, I would have thought Illinois would have faced the most. <laughs> <laughs> eight men in the box because everybody yeah. expected Illinois to run. That's right. Unless he's flipped that around, and that's what he means. But he has a different tweet about the most uh, uh, snaps per game against an eight-man. Well, yeah. I'm sure he went over the film and studied it. And I have no reason and, to doubt. And uh, maybe we had defensive backs up that tight. I'll say this. Our defensive backs are a lot tighter than they used to be. Remember when we complained about the the gap between yeah that receiver? was yeah there were years there where we just thought well this is this is us not knowing exactly what the game plan was but they were dropping back pretty far and that was always the weak spot of the the, the Tampa two or that's what we or, thought or the shell you know that that uh, Lovey Smith had put together. Got White Sox tickets to give away next hour. Stay tuned for that as everybody gets back in action this weekend. Well, she got there, Lauren Tate. Well, I was going to tell you that last year, I just put your mind into last season, Pitt and Wake Forest played for the championship of the ACC in a league that has Clemson. Pitt and, and Wake Forest. Pitt beat Wake Forest. Utah won the Pac-12. Uh, Cincinnati won the AAC, the American. What advantages, historic, uh, financial Anyway, does Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and Utah have over Illinois? What advantages do they have? In a financial... Anyway, in any way. Say those schools again. Wake Forest, smallest school in the Pac-25. Pittsburgh, which was terrible a few years ago. Utah, which was uh, had a long... The first seven years they were in the Pac-12, they were way down. And Cincinnati, which, you know, came out of nowhere to, to beat Notre Dame last year and reach the Final Four. Uh, I, I can't see what they do have. They don't. That's my point. Other than individuals that may favor one school for some familial reason or for a, a particular major or something wacky like well, that. Well, I'm not saying they aren't getting better players right now. Yeah. I'm just saying that they're doing some things to get those players that, and they don't have any more advantages. Yeah. To a, and they don't have a history of great football. Yeah, nobody, none of those schools. They have had good years. Illinois had good years in the past. Yeah, but I mean Utah was a thing with Urban Meyer. Yeah, uh, sure. Since that, that was just a couple moments. of years, though. I mean, two or three years he was he was gone. Right. right? Wake Forest has had uh, spikes here and there, but well, yeah. not sustained success. Oh no, Pitt, no, no. I mean Pitt. Uh, Pitt they get had swallowed a, up. 
you're yeah. in you're either in Ohio State territory or Penn State territory there. And since what Cincinnati has done has just been astounding. Yeah. I, I say they're doing it with the the players in Ohio that Ohio State doesn't want. Ohio State doesn't that need may, everybody. That's, it, that's, that's an exaggeration, I know, but they aren't getting the recruits that Ohio State is getting. Let's put it that way. But they were in the Final Four, and Ohio State was not. Rick Tex, can the Illini defense overpower the offensive line of Virginia this year and get a win? I'd be more worried about stopping Brennan Armstrong. Yeah, well, that'll be the trick. But they got a new offensive coordinator and they got new players so around the quarterback. So he was sensational against Illinois last year, and he was sensational against everybody. They had a terrific year offensively. It's really tough to stop a good quarterback. Yeah, just you just yep. hard to stop them. But you know how you, you know how you stop them if don't you don't let them have the ball. Well, that's <laughs> that's number one. Number two, you get a rush on them. You got to make them. You got to chase them. I don't know if we can do that, but we've got a couple. We've got a, a few guys in that defensive line. If you keep them healthy, they're pretty good. He's um, at, you're at home. You you have the back end of the home and home. I suspect it'll be a closer game. I don't know if Illinois wins it, but I just feel like it'll be closer. Yep. There's my deep analytical answer on that question. Yep. That that third game is key though. Indiana before that at Indiana that is really a key. If Illinois could come out of there two and zero against Virginia, I would like our chances better. I think there's something to winning, and you know, if you can get get into a habit of winning, I, we've seen teams in this Western Division do this. We've seen Northwestern in specific years win a game, win a game, and then all of a sudden they win every close game. Something to it. Transition in a moment. When I saw the headline flash across my phone, I thought it was about, Lauren, more about the transfer windows. The NCAA is looking like they're on track to tighten up the transfer windows, when you can get in the portal and when you have to be out of it. I think they're going to be 60 days long, though. But this headline, you pointed it out to me, and I didn't realize what it was saying, allowing multiple transfers without penalty. You just just have to do it during that period. During. I did not have a problem with the one with the waiver one time. I it's just that's the age we're in. But multiple transfers now. The Division One Council today in yesterday endorsed the elimination of prohibiting multiple transfers. Do you think they're just scared of of being taken to court? Is that what this is all about? Do they just know that they're they're just they're they're done as an organization and let's just burn the cabin burn, down on our way out. Burn the rule book. I mean, I mean, All right, Joey's coming in next hour. I thank you, Mr. Tate. We'll hear yes, you Saturday sir. morning. This is News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, a news update, and then more sports talk.